Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. We're just going to go on from what we did uh, uh, last week. We've been in the series Calling and Purpose, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to pick it up there and see if I can finish it. <clears throat> and then when we go from there, we're going to go to Romans chapter 4 and then Genesis. So 2 Timothy, Romans 4, and then Genesis. You guys are with me. Amen. Okay. We just give us some feedback on those prayer requests, please. I'd really, really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm reading from verse 1, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lewis and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded is also in you is in you also therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in in you through the laying on of my hands there is a faith that comes when you are when you receive prayer there is a faith that is required that when you go up for prayer that something is unlocked you don't need a manifestation on the physical for somebody falling over you don't need somebody uh, feeling lightning or fire or any of those kinds of things those things are great when we see the manifestations of god but you don't need them you just need faith Touch your neighbor and tell him, just have a little faith. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I rebuke the spirit of anxiety in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. Your mind will be set free. You will not fear anymore in the name of Jesus. When you see the enemy, you are the roaring lion. He is a little hungry lion. You are the big lion. You are the main lion. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because the one who roars, inside of you roars bigger yes verse 8 therefore do not be ashamed of our testimony of the lord nor of me his prisoner <laughs> i love that i am a prisoner of the lord jesus christ <laughs> that sucks somebody made this statement once he said you're either a slave to the devil or slave to god but a slave you are <laughs> right uh, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of god it takes power to suffer for jesus it takes something is something special inside of you to to survive the persecution that you receive as a child of god yes verse 9 who has saved us and called us with a holy calling but not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in christ jesus before time began see god doesn't call you unless he has a purpose with you he doesn't call you unless there is a plan behind what he's doing god does not say to you come when i say to ilana come i don't call ilana just for the sake of saying her name or just because i like it when she comes when i call her but i have an in purpose when i call her in fact when i ask when i call ilana's name in that moment where i forget what should i be saying to ilana right now i had something in my mind she gets greatly annoyed god is a god 
God that is precise. He has precision. He is meticulous. Everything that he created, he created with great detail. That's what, that's what science, that's what makes science so beautiful. The science is the, really the study of everything that God had created. We don't, we're not against science. We should be for science. It's just unfortunate that the church has become a little ignorant. I think that the church should go back to the beginning, that whenever time there was a church that was planted, there was a school that was planted, and there was education. In fact, if it wasn't for the Judeo-Christian viewpoint, there wouldn't be education. In fact, it was the Judeo-Christian viewpoint in the history that create that 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 was interested in the study of things scientific, studying the things that are biological, study of the things that are mathematical, and there was the encouragement that you should go to school. So we are for education. It is unfortunate in this time that we find a lot of ignorant Christians and the Christians that are easily persuaded by, by silly things and we require more discernment. But verse 10, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immor immorality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I love that. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I just want to stop there, and I want us to go back to verse number nine. But before we get back to number nine, to this the subject of my sermon this morning is that you're called by grace, and hopefully we will get uh, a little bit further than what we did last week. But it's a really a rolling on of what, what we were speaking about last week. But we are called by grace. We are not called by our own works. We are called by grace. What I love about understanding certain languages, and I just want to lay this out there, because sometimes people don't always understand why do you reference the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic. When God spoke to people, when he called them, he called them in their language and he called them to what they understood. I referenced Moses earlier. So Moses was educated by the Egyptians. His foundation year was Hebrew. Remember that his mother became his nurse. Okay. His, his, I hope I said that right. Nursing maiden, right? So she brought him up in the foundation years. Foundation years uh, that to, up to, to today's terminology is from zero to seven, right? From the time that you were born to the age of seven. We also believe psychologically that is when a person's character is formed. That is why it's so important that you invest into the foundation. You cannot have a tall building standing on a foundation that is flimsy or else the building will just fall. That's why it's so important that you shouldn't run before, before your foundation is ready. Some of you are so on fire for God that you just want to run and do things for the Lord, but you've got to look to your foundation. You've got to look to what you're standing on. You've got to look to what's inside of you, right? So that's when a character is formed. So when Moses was brought up, he had the foundation of a Hebrewic mindset, okay? A Hebrewic mindset, but he was educated through the Egyptians. In fact, the writings that exist outside of the Bible will tell us that Moses was a general in the Egyptian army. So he was schooled by the reigning empire of the time. Why is this relevant? Because when he had his burning bush experience, God spoke to him in a language he understood. When he said to him, kick your shoes off for the ground that you stand on is holy. Now today we think God doesn't like Nike. God doesn't like the brand that I wear. So what happens is we think that God is asking us to take our shoes off because our shoes are bringing something that is unholy. And that's not actually what was happening. In the Egyptian mindset of the time when God spoke to Moses to say, kick your shoes off, the ground you stand on is holy. What the Egyptians, Egyptians used to do 
before they started to, uh, to wrestle with one another or fight with one another, they would kick their shoes off so that they could get grip in the sand and so that they could, they could wrestle with their opponent. And so when you see God saying, kick your shoes off the ground, you stand on as holy. What he was saying to Moses in his Egyptian mindset was kick your shoes off. I'm about to wrestle a man out of you. I'm about to take you and make you a man of God. I'm going to take you. I'm going to change how you see things so that I could make you tougher for the, for the call that I have called you to for the road that you need to take. So that's why it's important to understand the Hebrew. That's why it's important to understand and to have context rather of, 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 of the different languages that you that you're reading because when i speak greek for example and i say parakalo parakalo means pleasure if you're greek you understand what i mean if i say which is to say thank you it would follow up with the response of parakalo but the word parakalo can also mean please so it depends where you use it in the sentence. Why is that important to understand? Because if you understand different languages, you understand how God speaks to people in that language. I'm, I'm asking if, if, imagine if Abraham, if you will, would come back to life, right? And he read the English version of what his experience. How different would it be, do you think? Because God was speaking to him in a language that he understands. Why is that important for you to understand? Because God's not going to talk to you in the King James unless you were schooled and educated in the King James, right? Hello, Alistair. But if you, if you, if you will, God will speak to you in your language. He will, he will explain, he, he will talk to you to make things simple for you, for you to understand. So don't get worried and concerned about trying to unlock certain things for you to understand. You gotta, you gotta know that God will speak to you in the language that makes sense to you. And, and when you understand the words that you use, for example, the word conviction for years, I would always ask Afrikaans people, what is the word conviction in Afrikaans? And the people would say to me this oortuig, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right because it's convincing somebody. And then later on, it was like, you know, this thing that drops into your mind. You go like, oh, Nicholas, hello. But the word convince is in the word conviction. So when the word has, when God has convicted you of something, he has convinced you. Why is that important for you to understand? Think about every single time that God has moved in your life. There is a convincing that it feels that my mind is made up for what I'm doing. That's where Paul wrote here. He says, I'm persuaded. I am persuaded to follow the Lord. I am convinced. Why is that important for you to understand? Because some of you think that feeling bad about certain things where you have sinned or fallen short, you feel shame. That shame is not from God. Because there's no shame in convincing somebody. Convincing somebody is saying, you had a way, but now I'm going to show you a better way. And I'm going to agree that this is the better way. Okay? So when you understand that you are called by grace, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose. He always has a purpose when he calls you. And grace which was given to us in Jesus Christ before time began. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter number four, if you will. Romans chapter number four. Okay. 
I want to show you one verse, and then we're going to go to Romans 12. I'm going to show you one verse. I'm not going to take it out of context, but just for the sake of time. But if you want to do study at home this week, we just read the whole of Romans 4, which is very, very good for you to understand for, for calling and purpose, and it'll roll up and it makes sense to you. But I want us to follow, go, go with me, if you will, to verse 16, okay? Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Okay. Paul's talking about something else here, but he's laying down a particular principle. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. All right. You with me? Let's go to Romans chapter number 12. And I'm going to read from a Christian standard Bible, which is very similar uh, I got one for my birthdays, but it, uh, it's very similar to the New King James. Somebody was in the spirit and bought me a Christian Standard Bible because I've actually been reading it the whole week. Christian Standard Bible. And then for my birthday, they gave me a Christian Standard Bible. Seashell, that's why you have to be in the spirit. Love you, Shell. I'm going to pick it up from Romans 12, verse 3. For by grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith, a measure of faith. Okay. Very important for you to understand a measure of faith. When you get saved, when you give your life over to God, there is a measure of faith that is given to you. Now, the question is, when did that faith come in? When did the faith come in? The faith came in when you responded to the call. The faith came in when the Spirit of God drew you near. Okay. In other words, you had faith that was given to you before you even came to God. Okay. That's that's good. That's for you. it's very good for you to understand that. All right. Okay. To each one, verse four. Now, as we have many parts in one body. All the parts do not have the same function in the same way that we are, uh, that we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of an, one another. Now, verse six is important. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it in the to the proportion of one's faith. So in other words, when should you stop prophesying to somebody? When you've come to the end of your faith. In other words, stop prophesying when I can no longer believe the prophetic word. Okay? Very important. If service, use it in service, if teaching, in teaching, if exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with di diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness, all in the proportion of your faith. Very important for you to understand that, right? Verse six, I want to go back. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. According to the grace that's given to us, we have different gifts. Now, to fulfill your calling, and I want to just explain this, because somebody made a statement earlier in the week and they said, we're listening to the series and it's cute. You've got the fivefold, you've got the apostle all the way down to the, to the teacher. And that's wonderful. Um, but what happens if I'm a CEO, right? What happens if I'm a CFO? What happens if I'm called into the corporate world? And the question that I have for you is, 
can you not be a prophet and be a CEO at the same time? What do you think a CEO does? He casts vision. What do you think a prophet does? I see things as a prophet, right? I begin to see things. That's why you require actually these gifts to operate in your life if you want to have a successful business because you're still positioning yourself to what God wants to do. Remember the fivefold is there for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. If I am genuinely an apostle, what am I going to give birth to? When I gave birth to my son, I didn't have to check if he was human, right? Because if I had to, then I'd have some serious questions about the woman that I married. His mother, go look at his mother, be like, you look, look like your father's family. This is, this is, this is what comes out of your family, right? I only do that when he misbehaves. But when, when, when I look at him, I, I look at him and people look at my child and they say, wow, he looks just like you. And I'm like, really? I can't see it. And then when he walks, they say, Nicholas, he walks just like you. In other words, I only give birth to, to what I am. Very important for you to understand that because if you are an apostle all the way down to a teacher and you're equipping saints, you're equipping them to be as you are. It, we have a misconception, a misunderstanding that we think that because you are an apostle, you now have to go and work in the church full time. That's a misunderstanding. You can be an apostle and you can still be a CEO. You can be a prophet and you can, you can, you can be a CFO. You can, you can be an evangelist and you can own your own butchery, right? So you must understand that, that it's the unlocking of the gifts. And when you have these gifts, imagine you have a prophet working in your corporate company and the prophet says to you, I foresee a coronavirus coming that I think that we should move our investments from this particular way to that particular way. How, how awesome would that be, right? I know that, uh, that, that in America, some of the police have actually gone to see prophets to find missing children. Kim Clement, for example, was one of them that found a missing child because the, they went to go see him. And they said, we're looking for this child. And then he went and he prayed and the Lord showed him where this child was kept. And he told the police and, the, and, and when he told the police that thing, they actually went and went and found the missing child. So you can be a policeman and still have that gifting. Okay. You're called by grace, not according to the works. You're called according to his purpose. His purpose unlocks something inside of you. Remember, we spoke about that earlier. Serving unlocks something inside of you. Willingness unlocks something inside of God. Living a clean life gives you a nice platform to work from because that's what you're called to do. Right. Now, going back to this text that we're reading here. Romans chapter number four. Therefore, it is of faith that might be according to grace. Grace is something that is very interesting, okay? Grace unlocks gifting in you. Now, grace is, is very interesting to define. The NIV translation, which is the most trans tra sold translation in the, uh, in the world, every time you translate the word grace, it translates it as favor. So every time you see the word grace, you see favor, okay? God has given us given the, the gifts according to his favor to the body of Christ. God empowers you right through the gifting. Grace is also, according to the Amplified Translation, undeserved merit, which means that you didn't work for it. It was given to you by grace. I didn't have to work for salvation. God made me, he qualified me before he called me because his blood qualifies me. So therefore there is grace, it's undeserved merit. Grace can also be defined as empowerment. I didn't just do this. There's a grace that came upon me. I laid my hands on somebody. There was a power that was released, a dunamis that was released. There was a kratos that was released. And all of a sudden there was this power that came upon somebody and then something changed. 
I, 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 I can't do what everything that Nicholas does because Nicholas has a particular grace. He has a certain empowerment. He has a certain ability to be able to do something. And then my personal revelation around grace, you can't buy this in the Bible bookstore, so I'm going to give it to you for free. But the one revelation that I have is time. Grace is time. I'm just laughing at myself because I'm silly. It's time, right? I'm just having a good time. Grace is time because the wages of death, right? The wages of sin is death, but God doesn't, but when I sin, I don't die immediately because God decides for men to come to repentance, epistle Peter, right? So, so grace is favor. It's undeserved merit, right? Grace is an empowerment because the gifts of God will operate through you and empowers you to be able to do something in the supernatural. And then grace is time. Think about those elements and then think about, can I increase my grace? Can I increase the level of favor in my life? Can I, can I, can I increase the undeserved merit in my life? Can I, can I increase, can I increase the empowerment to do things in my life? Can I increase the time in my life? That's why when you give more to God, the more God gives to you. This is the interesting thing. This is the fundamental about the kingdom that you need to get is that everything in the kingdom grows. The nine components of the fruit of the spirit, they're all growing. In the English translations in Galatians chapter number five, you read faithfulness, right? Faithfulness is the Greek word pastis. When I read here in, in Romans chapter number four, it is of faith so that it may be of grace. That word faith is pastis. So when you go to a scholar and you ask them, why did you translate it to faithfulness? They don't know. But everything, the whole components, can you love more? Yes. Can you have more peace? Yes. Can you grow more in Christ? Yes. There is no, there is no limitation. That's the whole point of me saying that everybody can become an apostle. Everybody can become a prophet. Everybody can become a teacher. Anybody can become an evangelist because the more equipping I receive, the more I position myself to be able to get. And the, when I get, I'm able to do the more pr prophetic anointing comes onto my life when I'm working and my boss begins to ask me certain things, the more direction I get, the more I begin to see this is God's heart. This is where God wants to go, right? The more apostolic I become, the better I am positioned to get promoted. And people look at me and they go like, I don't know what it is about Nicholas, but I want to promote him. I want him to put into a position of more influence because I can begin to see. In fact, when I worked in a certain department, they asked me to teach the people how to do tax calculations, for example. They said, Nicholas, you're a great presenter. Why? Because that a teaching anointing has increased in my life. You see how you can use the gifts of God in, in the position that you're in and you can enlarge it. Now you're called by grace. Grace empowers you. Grace gives you more time. Grace gives you more favor. Grace gives you more undeserved merit that people will promote you that you don't deserve it. Right? Now, can I increase the grace? Yes. How do I increase the grace? Good question. Romans chapter number four. Therefore, it is of faith so that it may be of grace. The more faith I have in my life, the more grace I receive. Amen? So how can I increase my faith? You guys have got a lot of questions. But if you're going to keep going down this road, we're going to keep talking down this road, right? Go to Romans chapter number 10, verse 17. I hope it's Romans 10, verse 17. Otherwise, we're going to read through the whole of Romans. 
Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. It's Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. In Greek, when remember I referenced the Greek and the Hebrew earlier. In Greek, you have two words for the word word. You have rhema and then you have logos. Logos is, is this word. It's written word. Rhema is inspired word, illuminated word, right? So when God speaks to you and you say, get it in your spirit that God has spoken to me, I get rhema word. That rhema word is the word that gives you faith. Check this out. So that it may be of faith, so that it may be of grace. You are called according to grace, right? You're called according to the purposes of God. He gives grace. The reason why some of you are not being positioned so that God would use you more because you refuse to grow in grace, because you refuse to grow in faith, because you've stopped hearing from God. Because you've stopped positioning yourself to be able to hear from the Lord. So if you position yourself to hear from the Lord, your faith begins to grow. The more faith begins to grow, the more grace begins to grow in your life. The more grace that begins to grow in your life, the more you're able to do in the body. So that it may be according to grace. So that when God gives you grace, when he gives you uh, uh, the, the ability to prophesy, when he gives you the ability to serve, when he gives you exhortation, when he gives you all these gifts, he gives it to you according to grace. So the more capacity I'm able to grow in, the more grace I'm able to receive, the more I'm able to do. So if you want to enlarge your calling, you want to enlarge your purpose, because some of you are asking, what God, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to get into a position so that you may receive more faith, so that you receive more grace, so that I could use you more for my purpose and my kingdom. Otherwise, I'm just going to get someone else that wants to position themselves to hear. And that's why it's important for you to remove the stumbling stones that prevent you from hearing. That's why it's important for you to be able to position yourself to hear from God. Now, some of you have this frustration where you say, I can't hear from the Lord. Because when I'm, when I'm hearing from God, God speaks to me in parables. He speaks to me in mysteries. Other people, they hear from God and it's easy and it's simple. Moses, it says of Moses, uh, to my servant Moses, I speak face to face. I speak to him as a friend, speaks to another friend. Why? Because Moses deserves God's respect because of what Moses did so that he he could hear God simply, right? You want what Moses has, pay the same price Moses paid. Very simple. There are certain things and principles in the kingdom. You're not going to get further in the kingdom unless you pay the same price, right? So here you've got, that's one of the reasons. The other reason why God speaks to us in mysteries and sometimes he speaks to us in simple ways is he speaks to us in mysteries because in the book of Proverbs, it says it's for God's, it's for God to conceal things and it's for a king to reveal things. It's other words, it's for a king to go and find the mysteries of God. So when God is speaking to you in mysteries, he's positioning you so that you would, he would unlock the kingship inside of you. Why is it important for you to be a king? Because a king has not just governs, a king has rulership, a king has dominion, a king has authority. And then you get to the disciples, right? The disciples didn't pay the price Moses paid. 
right? That's where the grace comes in. But yet Jesus spoke simply to them. Why? Because the calling, because of the requirement of the kingdom, because of the need of the kingdom was so, it was so now, the time is so imminent. The, the time is now. God is desperate to do something that he would take a bunch of B team guys that didn't get into the A team. He would take a bunch of guys that were just willing, guys that just heard Jesus say, come, and Jesus carried on walking, that they would follow, that God would say, I'm going to talk simply to you because I'm trying to do a task through you so quickly that it is irrelevant of the one that I'm using. So depending on where you are in your life, if God is speaking to you in mysteries or parables, then you, then he, he is trying to unlock the kingship inside of you. If God is talking to you in a simple way, you would know whether you have a Moses moment, whether you are like a friend to God, where the, we know that the veil is ripped from the, from the top to the bottom, and we know that the blood of Jesus, we can enter the throne room of grace, which we can enlarge. We can hear more. We're able to achieve more. We're able to do more. So it's either one of those moments where God is unlocking the kingship of you or God is so desperate that he wants to do something that he's going to speak to you in simple terms so that he's able to get you to the place where he wants you to be so that he can unlock what he wants to do. Because everything with God is also perfect timing. Go to, go to Genesis chapter number 12. I want to show you something that's very interesting. Genesis chapter 11, rather. Let's go to Genesis 11. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, in case you did not know that. I'll pick it up from verse 27. Genesis eleven twenty-seven. You can enlarge the grace in your life. It, it, the grace can enlarge by the faith that you receive. You can increase the faith. You can increase the faith by the hearing of God. Watch this. What, watch what happens when you receive rhema word. Verse 27. This is the genealogy of terror. Terah begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, and Haran died before his father, Terah. This is a tragic moment in the culture. That's why it's, that's why it's important for you to have context. Right? It's it, tragic that a son dies before a father because fathers are supposed to die and then sons. But that's what happens when you have bad sons or unfaithful sons or bad fathers. You have this warped perception. That's why things have got to get into order. Verse 29, then Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Mal Malka, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milka, and the father of Ishka. But Sarah was barren. She, uh, she had no child. And Terah took uh, his son, Abraham, Abraham, and his grandson, Lot, the son of Haran, and his wife and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, and his son, Abraham's wife. And they went out from Ur, which was in today Iraq, of the Chaldeans, the land of Ur, uh, go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Right, Haran is in today Syria. Right? They went from Ur, which was Iraq, all the way up north, into Syria. They then crossed over today Lebanon and then came down from Lebanon all the way down to what we know today as Israel, okay, to the land of Canaan. Why is this important to understand? Watch this. Verse 12, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Stop there. Verse Genesis 11, previous chapter, we find that they start moving. 
we find that 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 he came out of his land which was ur he went to haran which was in syria and yet you have god speaking to him telling him get out of your land that's confirmation why is that confirmation because they were already moving why is that important for you to understand because terra terra was a idol worshiper the septuagint the greek septuagint actually declares uh, terra dead before he was dead what the septuagint says which is just a little bit different translation in the old testament is that it says that terra was 60 years dead before his actual the date of his death because he was an idol worshiper and god declared him dead so that god would be abraham's father because the father passes through inheritance right now what's interesting is that terah who's an idol worshiper not somebody that you would actually hear from the living god is beginning to move into the direction that god wanted abraham to move into that's why when you're busy walking on the road that you're walking on sometimes it's confusing that am i called or do i have a purpose because as i'm walking i'm walking with sinners as i'm walking i'm walking with people who don't worship god but we're walking in the same direction because there's a move in the spirit for me to be able to get to where god wants me to be and you sometimes get to walk with sinners and you're walking in the same direction and you're thinking because i'm walking in the same direction i might be in the wrong path but you're in the right path you're walking in the right direction because you're walking into the direction that god wanted you to go because sometimes for you to get to your calling and to your purpose god will speak through sinners he will speak through idol worshipers he will speak to those atheist through those atheist people to get you to the direction that he wants you to go God can use clean people and unclean people. It's only the devil that can use unclean people. <clears throat> I thought that was good. Verse uh, chapter number twelve: I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And then all your families of the earth shall be blessed. I want you to highlight that, and I want you to write there, Rama. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing of the word. What word? The rhema word. The rain. The word that is able to illuminate you. The word that is able to inspire you. The word that is able to move you. Amen. Right. Verse four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That's obedience. And Lot went with him. That's not obedience. And Abraham was seventy-five years old, and when he departed from Haran. Why is this so important? <clears throat> because this begins to show the grace and the mercy that God has that when God told them to leave everybody behind he still brought lot which is a type of flesh he still brought him with and we know what happens to lot he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah and we know that God goes and says I'm going to destroy Sodom but before I destroy Sodom let me speak to my servant Abraham and he can intercede for Sodom and and I will still bring lot out even if his intercession will not save the city that shows you the bigness of god that's where i go wow that you would be so merciful towards me that even when i'm not fully obedient even when i'm staggering following you that you would still make a way for me that's the goodness of god yeah 
Verse 5, then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they had gathered the, uh, they had gathered the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as, as far as the terebinth tree of Moriah, and the Canaanites were, there in the, uh, were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. God will speak to you in the moving. When he has called you and he has, he has, he has got purpose for you, when he calls you, you've just got to get up and move. Some of us refuse to move. We sit on the couch and we're waiting for God to open up the doors for us. But as you're moving, and even when it feels like you're moving with sinners, God will speak to you in the moving when the sinners have lost the grace to carry on moving because they don't have the faith. Because you see, that's where the empowerment process comes in. When they've lost the grace to move and you carry on walking and people look to you and say, how is it possible that you're still walking when I've walked the same road? How is it possible that at the end of a work day, Nicholas, I'm tired, but yet you're praying? How is it possible at the end of Sunday after having a hectic week, you're still ministering and I'm finished because I have more grace? Because because I have more faith, because I was in a position to hear from God. I'm speaking to you so that you would get the same faith, so that you're able to unlock the same grace, so that you can walk more into what God has called you to. And as you're moving, God is speaking to you in the move. Yeah, he is speaking to you in the move. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham journeyed going on still towards south. <clears throat> Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. Let's stop there. God calls him to Canaan. God says, surely I will bless you. And then there is a famine in the land. That's where I turn around and be like, no, man, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm going to walk out. How is it possible that you called me out from my father's house? You've removed me as, as far from my father's house. And I'm walking on the same road as my father. I left him behind in the city, Haran. I'm busy walking down to the land of Canaan. You said that you would bless me. You said that you would look after me. And then I get there and I still build two different kind of altars on the way. I'm still praying. I'm going in the Shentarada. I'm getting the spirit on. I'm praying in the in the full-blown Pentecostal church. I'm having a good time in the presence of the Lord because of the goodness that he had promised me. And then I get there and there's dust. What happened to the promise that God gave? I moved because I'd received the rhema word. But I could survive the famine because of the grace that I had received from the faith because of the rhema word that I got. You can survive coronavirus because you positioned yourself in a place to get the word of God that, that just enlarges the grace. 
So you're able to do more in the moment of Corona. You're able to survive this bad economy because you were in a position to hear from God who said, if you dwell in this land and feed off his faithfulness, not the land's faithfulness, his faithfulness, I will bless you. You got into a position because you heard the Lord. And when you heard the Lord, your faith increased. And when your faith increased, the grace increased. And then you're able to do more when others are unable to stay with you. That's what's important for you to understand this morning. That part of this journey of being called and having a purpose doesn't mean that life gets easy. In fact, if you can survive the tribulation, if you can survive the wilderness, if you can survive the desert, if you can survive this and you can hold on to God's word and you let God's word stir up inside of you and you begin to understand that I was in a position and God reminded of me of where I came from and he reminded me that someone put his hands on me and he reminded me to stir up the gift that's inside of me and he reminded me that my calling is a holy calling and that when I was called it was by his purpose wasn't because I was cute. It's because he wanted to achieve something. And, and, and I remember that it is by grace and not because of what I can do. But I remember that if I increase the faith in my life, I can increase the grace in my life. Therefore, I'm able to do more for the Lord. And by the Old Testament, which is a shadow of things that were, that it's, it's an example of how God was. It's just to know how God is. And I see his character in his nature that when I'm walking and it looks like there's sinners around me, I could be in the wrong place, but I'm still walking. And I have a grace that they don't have because I have a faith that they don't have because I position myself to hear from God. What's very interesting to me is I'm going to share a story from the Apocrypha, the book of Jasher. The book of Apocrypha books are the books that are outside of the Bible. And the book of Jasher, it, it talks about Abraham's life. And when Abraham was growing up, there was a, when, Abraham, when Abraham's father, Terah, got pregnant with, with uh, Abraham, when, he, when, when his wife was pregnant with Abraham, the, the princes of Nimrod, because uh, Terah was an, uh, a prince of Nimrod. He was, one of, the, he was one, of, one of Nimrod's favorite princes. And when he came, uh, when he was celebrating this, the, his son's birth, the, the other princes of Nimrod came around and celebrated with Abraham and uh, with, with Terah and said, we, we know we're happy that you have a child. And when they walked out of the celebration, when they walked out of the party, they looked up into the sky and they saw a sign in the stars. This is going to sound a very, like a very familiar story because you see it done again. And he looked up into the stars, one of these princes, and they went to Nimrod and said, we saw a sign in the star that this son that was born well, he will give birth to a kingdom that will last forever. In fact, it will take over your kingdom, Nimrod. Interesting. Because you'll be reminded of the story of Jesus when the wise men came from the east and there was a sign in the stars. Come on. God's going to do it again. And there was a sign in the stars. And so, so when Nimrod wanted to kill Abraham as a baby, there was this whole thing, and I'm not going to go into it because it's a long story, but, but basically Terah uh, tricks Nimrod, and, and Abraham grows up in a cave where Shem, his great-grandfather, and, and Noah, sorry, was Noah, Noah and Shem were there teaching him the ways of God. Very interesting. Very interesting. Why is that interesting? Because we see Jacob, who's a tent dweller, also positioning him in himself to, to hear the word of God. And also according to the Apocrypha, 
Jacob was set under Abraham's teaching of the ways of God while Esau would still play outside. Very interesting. Where you position yourself today is where you're going to be tomorrow. Part of your calling and your purpose, understanding that. That's why understanding where foundational things are so important because where you position yourself is where you're setting yourself up to be. You want to understand where your kids go. Their friends that they hang out with is the prophetic word of where they're going to go and end up. And so what happens with Abraham in, 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 the, in the Apocrypha is when he gets older and the people have forgotten and they don't know that Abraham is Terah's son, he comes back to Terah's, to, to Terah's house and Terah is an idol worshiper and he's got 12 gods for the 12 months of the year that he worships. And so what happened is Abraham goes and does the whole meat sacrifice thing and he places it before these idols to see if they would speak and none of them speak. So he decides to take the bat of the biggest God, idol God, and he breaks all the idols and he leaves the bat in the, in, in, with the biggest idol. Then Terah comes home, his father, and says, what have you done? He says, it wasn't me. He says, it was these idols. This idol beat all the other idols up. And then Terah said to him, rubbish, these are just wood and stone. And then Abraham said to him, exactly. Exactly. In the book of Isaiah, it says this, that you, Israel, will become like the idols you worship. They've got eyes, but they cannot see. They've got mouths, but they cannot speak. They've got ears and they cannot hear. God is one who can see. God is one who can speak. God is one who can hear. He can hear you when you pray. He can see you when you walk. And he will speak to you when you're on your way. Come on. That's the amazing thing about the God that we serve. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about the God we serve. So part of your calling and, your, and, and knowing that you're called to grace, you can enlarge your calling. You can enlarge the purposes to position yourself, to position yourself so that you are able to fulfill more of his purpose. Now, I'm going to finish off with this story from Bishop Veron Ash. Bishop Veron Ash is one of my favorite preachers. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, Veron Ash would say this. He would say, people would come up to him and say, Bishop, what's my purpose? And he says, I'm here to deliver you. You want to know what your purpose is? He says, Nothing. You don't have a purpose. Because I don't have a purpose? No. Romans 8 verse 20, 28. And all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You don't have a purpose. It's his purpose. And if you want to fulfill more of his purposes, you have to position yourself so that you would enlarge your grace so that you're able to do more for the Lord. That's if you want to. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom is by choice. Not by what you can do but enlarging yourself so that you're able so that he is able to do it through you that's grace then when when you enlarge yourself when you enlarge yourself you're able to do more because god begins to show you i begin to show you things other people don't see i'm sitting in a church and i go like why doesn't the church take care of x y and z because the church wasn't called for that you were called for that because you can see it how many other shepherds do you think was around moses when he was walking on the hill, how many times do you think a bush did not burn out, but was only Moses that turned around and stayed? How many times do you think God called and only a few responded? Is it because he only calls a few? No, God calls every one of you. 
You can be apostolic and you can walk, you can have your own business. You can be apostolic and you can be a great sportsman. You can be prophetic and you can do all those things. You can be an evangelist and you can do all those things. God gives you a grace. He gives you a gifting so that you're able to do more. He gives you a gifting so that he can enlarge you. And when he enlarges you, he positions you in a place where you fulfill his purpose. And so next week, when we conclude the series next week, I want you to position yourself today in Jesus name. I want you to position yourself and I want you to get to a place where you're saying, God, the position that you have put me in now, how can I fulfill your purpose? What is it that you wanted to do through me where you have positioned me? What do you want to do through me? I'm just a housewife. Yes, housewife. You don't understand who you're raising up. You're, under, you're raising up the next king. You're raising up the next queen. You're raising up a prince and a princess. That's the kingdom of God right there. I'm unemployed. Oh, unemployed people. If you understood what you could do with your time. If you could understand just by being willing, just walking out of the, in the, into the street every day. If you're unemployed, I want to encourage you that every day walk to the nearest shop and on the way when you're walking, pray and ask the Lord what to do. And I will show you what God will do through you. In fact, you'll never go back to a job. You will always have provision. That's why Jesus wrote in the gospels and he said, why don't be like these Gentiles. Don't be like these other people that worry about these things because God himself, your father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask of it. He will provide for you. He takes care of the swallows. He'll take care of you. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He'll take care of you. God's, God will always look after you. He'll always take care of you. If your focus is only, when am I going to get my next paycheck? When am I going to get more money? Your focus is wrong. When you position yourself and say, here I am, Lord, what do you want to do? I know of an old guy that I went to go see, and he's been, he's been unemployed for a number of years. And he asked me, Nicholas, what, what am I doing? What should I be doing? I said, God's raised you up so that you would intercede for your people, his particular tribe, his particular nation that he comes out of. That's all you're supposed to be doing. But we lose, we, we, we don't see the value in what God has called us to. We don't see the value of the, of the, of the position that we're in. And because we don't see the value of that, because we look at it with natural eyes, we don't look at it with spiritual eyes, we lose focus. Why do you want to keep yourself busy with a job when God has called you to unemployment? Why do you desire unemployment when God has given you a job? I remember years ago, we, we were going through a restructuring, a retrenchment, and I started getting concerned about my retrenchment. I was so happy to leave my work, but I got concerned because I was now in a position to marry this woman, you know, this, this pretty girl of mine. And I, I, I was like, oh, what is her father going to say? What is her family going to say if I get retrenched? And then I started stressing, right? But if I, if I was single, I was like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> like I'll put my name up to be retrenched first because I wanted to do more things for the Lord. But now I'm in a position where I have to provide. I'm taking on a mantle that wasn't mine because it's Jehovah Jireh. It's not man provider. It's God provider. Anyway, that, that, that's an, another, another time. And I'm in this position and I start stressing and I start worrying and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be retrenched. And God says this to me. He says this to me. He says, he says, Nicholas, I'm the one who gave you this job. And if I want you to go, I will remove you from this job. But as long as I want you into this job, 
no one can remove you from this job. I wrote a business case with my colleagues and they ended up saving all four of our positions. People then begin to hug me and I was feeling a little sad, but I was feeling happy. I was feeling happy because they all got to keep their jobs, but I felt sad because I was like waiting for that release to go into my destiny, right? To go to what God has called me, not always understanding what has God called me for. I want to break it down and make it real simpler. And you'll see that next week as well. We're going to like very similar to what we're doing today in terms of just getting it back down to basics, just going down, downing it a little bit, keeping it simple, giving you principles that you could apply. I walked into, when I asked God, what's the first thing that he wanted me to do while I was working where I was working? And God said to me, be the light. Be the light. That's the only thing he said to me to do. Be the light. It didn't matter what position I was in. It didn't matter whether I was in a tax department, whether I was in an IT department. It didn't matter when I was in the payroll department. What mattered was be the light. We lose our focus when we start thinking, does God want me to be a manager, yes or no? When God says to you in Revelation chapter number four, come up here, what do you think his intention is when he says to you, I'll see it in heavenly places? When God says to you, when you have a spiritual mind, you are, you are, you are set up higher. In Philippians 3, when God says to you, I have called you with a, there is a, I press on towards the higher calling. What do you think God's motion is when you've got angels ascending and then descending? God is always wanting you to go up. Repent itself. Re is the prefix pent is penthouse, pent. When it says repent, it means come up higher. Come up to the place that you're seated. Come up to the place where I want you to be. Of course, God always wants you to get to the top. God is never in a position to want you to stagger. God doesn't want you to, to be complacent. God, in fact, his, his word says in Revelation 3, it says that God, if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out. I'd rather want you to be hot or cold. I can deal with those things, but I can't deal with someone who just wants to get by. There is more to life. Of course, God wants you to get promoted. Your focus shouldn't be on the task at hand in the sense that what's my physical job. Your, 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 your focus should be, what do you want me to do while I'm in this job? What do you want me to do while I'm sitting at home? What do you want me to do in this coronavirus? When this coronavirus began to take place, I asked the Lord, I sat back. I was like, oh, first I was like, thank you, Jesus, because my schedule just opened up. <laughs> I asked, Lord, what is your will in this whole process? And God said to me, I want you to rest. I wanted to do church. God said, no, I want you to stay in. I want you to be in your house. I want you to take it easy. I want you to be in this position. And it doesn't make any sense because Nicholas, you just told me God doesn't want you to be complacent, but resting is not complacency. Resting is to be intently in the presence of God because that's the only place that you can rest. I have friends that love uh, and brothers in Christ that love to fish. I have friends that love going out in the bush and I can't relate because when I get there, I'm like, what is this? You're just sitting around here while looking at things, you know, we're sitting for hours looking after little plants and looking after animals. Or you're just sitting at the water. All I'm doing is working one shoulder, throwing it in, throwing it out, throwing it in. And then I've got to touch a yucky fish and then I take it out and then it smells. And then everybody's sitting there with their bare feet. And, you know, I'm like, I'm a chalet kind of guy. <laughs> But sitting in, that, sitting in those things, sitting in those things, they begin to see, Nicholas, this is where I find God. 
I find God in the bush. I find God in the Kruger National Park. I find God by the side of the water. I find God, I find God in a car traveling 250 Ks an hour. That, that'll get your prayer life working. But, but wherever you find God, go to that place. Because God is in the same place he called you the first time than when he called you the third time. God's in the same place. And when your focus is, I'm focusing because I want to be a prophet. So God, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. All I want to hear is God say, I'm a prophet. God's not going to say that you're a prophet. Get your mind off just those things for a minute and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? What is important to you? Show me to be a faithful son to a faithful father. Because if a faithful son comes to his father and his father says, my other son is missing, that's what I want you to do. Call yourself an evangelist, if you will. Call yourself a prophet if you really want to. As those things are irrelevant to me. The only thing that I'm concerned about is when my father says to me, son. When God says to me, you're mine. When God says to me, you're my position, my possession, my eyes are on, this, my eyes are on you. When I, my focus is there and ask him in the day to day, what do you want me to do today for you? Sometimes you'll hear him say, sit under the tree, listen to the birds and begin to pray. Pray for what? Pray for that lost brother of yours. Pray for that lost father of yours. Pray for that son of yours. Because things are about to come. Listen to the Lord clearly. Forget about titles. Forget about offices. Focus on what God wants you to do and where you're seated now, where you're seated now. Think about that. Think about what's important to the Lord. And I want to leave you with that. I want to bless you this morning. I want to close off with that. For those who have put their prayer requests on, we're going to get to it now in a moment. I want you to know that you're called by grace, that you can increase your grace capacity. When God called you and you look around and you go, I've just made great prayer altars, made great sacrifices, told my whole family that God has called me and then nothing seems to work and I've been into this famine have faith that God is still for you. Know that God is still with you. And God has given you the required faith so that you would unlock the grace so that you're able to survive what you're walking through. And we don't always know the why. The why belongs to God. But we know the what. We know what to do. We know that you have to keep on walking. We know how. We know that you have to keep on looking to God, towards God. And so I want to bless you this morning. I want to bless you with life, life in abundance. I want to bless you with love. And next week, as we conclude the series, uh, Calling and Purpose, I want you to know that you are called. I want you to know that God set the firefold up to the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ministry means service. Service of what? Service to the great king. Service to the Lord. Service to what he wants to do. And so I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning. And my prayer is really, really, really that this thing just breaks open for you, that you begin to understand that you, you begin to do things from a position of knowing who you are 
it's not so important what you do. What's important is knowing who you are. But my prayer really is for some of you to know what God has called you for, to understand what God has purposed you for, understanding what the purpose of God is in this time, in this season for the land that he has placed you in. Here we are in South Africa. What is God's purpose with South Africa? His purpose in South Africa is that revival will come. We need larger fish nets. So we need them who make the nets. We need a greater place to bring in all the people that God is going to bring. We need disciple makers. Are you in a position to disciple anybody? No, I've still got to sort out mess, Nicholas. Well, then get yourself in a position to disciple somebody. Get yourself, deal with that mess of yours. I've said this before, but I want to say this again. The biggest mistake that we make as parents is that we hide our mistakes from our children because we don't want them to make the same mistakes. And I want to say this to you. Mistakes is genetic. You are born into sin. Your children need to see the mistakes that you've made because they need to know how to get out of the hole that they've dug themselves into. So when, when I know the way that my mother got delivered and the way that she prayed and the way that she positioned herself to hear from God, to position herself to receive the grace to get out of the hole, I'm able to do the same thing that when I make the same mistake, I can stand up and say, I know how I got out. I know how to get out of this because my mama knew how to get out of this. I know how to get out of this because my daddy knows how to get out of this. Don't try and hide your mistakes. Perfection is not being mistakelessness, not having mistakes. Sometimes perfection is to know how to love imperfect people, to love imperfection. So let's look at the prayer requests.